0: All right, let's get it going. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Action-packed hour. In the next hour, year-end tax planning tips. We have people on staff that love doing this tax kind of stuff, so that's on the way. Ask Annex with a bunch of different questions, including, is a 5% return realistic? What do we do when we tell clients they can't retire? Actually, somebody's asking us what we do when that happens. Rolling over in down markets. Somebody's got a cheap mortgage. Should they shift extra money to investments? And what is the best time of the year to retire? And also a preview of next Wednesday's webinar, Election Year Investment Myths. That's all in the next hour. Let's welcome in the cast of Characters. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felski, our Chief Investment Officer. Hey, Derek. Hello, Danny. And uh, Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. Welcome to you.
1: Hi, Danny. Thank you. Quite the show we've got planned there. Uh, lots of great topics. Derek, lots going on this week in the markets. It seems like it was quite a round trip. Basically, we started out with a couple of really strong days and then came Friday. So, you know, more tug of war, I guess, around where is the Fed headed and how significant are these rate increases going to continue to be and therefore what is in store in terms
2: of the magnitude of recession? Well, you know, despite the the negative close to the week, the markets actually finished higher. The S&P was up a About 1%, small caps up 2. Interest rates rose a little bit. But essentially, on Friday, we just got a series of bad news items. One, FedEx warned about slower. Package growth. Uh, Number two, AMD, a key semiconductor company, talked about sluggish PC demand, which we've talked about a lot. That we thought there was a lot of double and triple ordering of semiconductors uh, during that pandemic. And finally, the jobs report was just too strong for Wall Street's liking. That's the component that the Fed's watching for that to roll over, right? We've
1: already talked about how housing has slowed down pretty significantly now. Durable goods orders, and you know, the chip manufacturing thing is a little bit of an anomaly to me. I don't really understand why auto industry hasn't returned yet, but there's cancellations of semiconductor orders.
2: They're not exactly the same thing, but you would think that the supply would return to normal in those areas. Well, AMD is more of a PC semiconductor supplier than some of the others, and that's so they're they really reduced. Well, you know, everyone out and bought bought a PC during the pandemic, so they could go online and go on Instagram and perhaps online learning or whatever else. So there are different segments of semiconductors that are stronger than others. For sure, you highlighted one of the strongest, which would be automotive. Uh, but again, you know, there was double ordering because even the auto companies couldn't get the chips they needed. Yeah, you're right about that. So now we're starting to see, you know, employment being the component
1: still, you know, watched and it, we're still adding jobs. So the, the debate that's raging right now is how in the world can we possibly be in a recession if we're increasing jobs every single month? I don't know how, how that's going to rectify itself, but if this is the recession right here, it'll be the, you know, the shallowest recession we've ever experienced or We're not there yet, and it's in store. It's coming up in the next couple of quarters.
2: Well, and even the Fed governors would would agree with what you just suggested because they know that monetary policy acts with a lag. You know, higher rates lead to lower mortgage demand, lower housing demand, lower spending around the home, and all sorts of other things. Uh, The other thing is, you know, the the other employment number that the Fed is focusing on is job openings, and that actually did show a very sharp decline. So we're starting to see a moderation in job growth. That was the weakest jobs report we've seen since April of 2021, so it wasn't as strong as we've seen. So directionally, it's in the Fed's favor, but it's just not enough to cause them not to raise uh, the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points in a couple of weeks.
1: And we're headed right into earnings season, so that's the next component to this: is to start to see what we're going to hear from corporations as they talk about the last quarter's earnings, and more importantly, the guidance. You know, how are they facing the headwinds that are higher interest rates and tighter monetary policy? And you mentioned that job openings
2: you know, diminished pretty significantly. So is the next thing going to be layoffs? Well, it certainly could be. I mean, the Challenger survey showed that uh, there was a 68% rise in layoffs in the past month, uh, which was which a very low number, but that is a significant turn. And we've also talked about that job opening situation. A lot of that is poaching. That is people trying to hire people away from other companies. So it's not like they're reducing the job, the, the labor force, really. They're just trying to shuffle it around. And people that quit their jobs are actually doing quite well in their labor price negotiations. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. So, But fewer job
1: openings, you would think, would mean fewer people changing jobs, and doesn't that maybe
2: indicate less upward pressure on wages? And that's what we saw in that report. We did see a moderation of wage growth. The problem that the Fed has and the problem that, the frankly, the Biden administration has is that wage growth, wage increases are not keeping up with the rate of inflation. Now, ultimately, as that CPI starts trending lower to, say, down to the 3-4% level, perhaps wage growth will, will actually be increasing in real terms.
0: Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, along with Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. We have them for the rest of the hour. If you came in late, catch the weekend Review on demand this weekend on our Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel in the Axiom, which gets delivered on Sunday morning. or the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel at the top of the hour. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 8th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ website annexwealth.com click that get started button sign up for the axiom while you're on our website that's a free weekly newsletter you don't have to be a client for that we're on social media linkedin facebook instagram youtube is a very healthy channel with over 1500 videos If you want to dig in really deep The SWAT podcast from Annex Wealth Management, quite good. That's up usually Monday mornings, um, kind of mid-morning. Everything that our investment team is talking about is quite good. And again, this show is available on demand at the top of the hour at the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer in the studio. Mark Beck, managing director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management.
1: You know, Derek, our job is to sift through all of the noise that occurs every single week from the press and from the you know economic data and news media and all those sorts of things and try to figure out what are the actionable items, what things are really impacting major themes and how we position investment portfolios on behalf of clients. And there are some shifts that you know people maybe aren't sensing along the way. One of them was a very common theme for the past few years with zero interest rate policy. The acronym that we used in our industry was TINA, meaning there is no alternative. Of Tina, and essentially, you know, Tina is dead at this point because there are alternatives. And so, one of the things that is happening in the stock market is really that sort of battle for how to allocate capital, because you can put capital to work elsewhere and you know get real returns that are somewhat attractive.
2: Yeah, let me flesh out what you meant by "there's no alternative." I mean, when you think about uh, assets, you know, you've got stocks, you got and you got fixed incomes. Let's be simple about it. Treasury bills now you can get three four percent for a treasury bill that's higher than the earnings yield of the S and P 500 that was not true in the past five years since the uh, pandemic and even before the pandemic so that's what what you're referring to, but the other thing is when you think about interest rates being high you think about what what areas of the market would you think would really suffer well you'd think housing would right because interest rates are higher uh, housing that makes mortgage rates higher might reduce demand for housing but but the other way to think about it is if you currently own a home and you refinance it under 3% and you want to downsize. If you were to sell your home now and, and downsize in terms of the value of the home, you're still going to be paying the same mortgage rate. So you're less inclined to do it. So what are you going to do instead? Well, you know what, rather than remodel it for the buyer, you're going to remodel it for yourself and you have an incentive to do it. So maybe you repair your deck or your windows or so, so on and so forth. And, and that's going to be really good for companies that are positioned to benefit from that. Also, think about what happened in Florida. If you're a home builder, That's a pretty good market for you right now. You better get your salespeople out there because there are a lot of homes that are going to have to be raised and rebuilt. So there are just other ways to play it, and that's what we think about tactically. So we have exposure to the housing sector both in our equity income strategy and in all our model portfolios.
1: You know, the other aspect that that argues, uh, you know, is that you're referencing higher mortgage rates, you're referencing higher, you know, yields. And you can talk about how the fixed income side is back to a position where it can do two things for you provide some actual income, some yield, and also. A stronger likelihood of a buffer, you know, of a recessionary environment. And that was really not existent, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, but that is a real case at this point. So you think about shifting the fixed income side of your investment portfolio now, where, where maybe you were prudent and you stayed very, very short term because you rightfully were protecting against the possibility of rising interest rates. Well, now interest rates have risen. And maybe it's the spot where you start to look at extending duration into much more attractive yields.
2: Right. And and the reason you're doing that is you believe that the growth of the economy is going to slow over time and that the economy really can't sustain interest rates at these levels. The U.S. government's very levered to it in terms of financing our debt. Many individuals and businesses are as well. We met with one of our fixed income managers over dinner on Wednesday, and he was as bearish as I've heard him. But he wasn't bearish about duration; he was bearish about credit. So what you want to do is you want to shift away from default risk towards interest rate risk. Because if if you fear for credit, then that suggests the economy is going to slow, and something could break.
1: Yeah. So multiple ways to make sure that you're adjusting as you see these major themes really play themselves out. And they're not week to week, you know, day to day types of activities. But it's you know looking at and understanding how different asset classes are impacted by different policies. You know, at Annex, our investment team meets and we look at different scenarios. What's the p- possible outcome? What happens, for example, if the Fed overreaches and they raise interest rates? too far and essentially create a more significant recession, and we need to be able to digest that and you know, do some work to be able to
0: mitigate some of that risk. Mark Beck is our Managing Director of Wealth Management Services, part of the huge team here. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a great sample of what we do this radio show and how we do it but it is just a sample you need to see the whole picture fill out that contact form when you click the get started button this is the time i know you feel it i know you sense it annex is ready early october great time for year-end tax planning our financial planning manager has a great five-point list to review we'll do that next on money talk the annex wealth management show 620 wtmj know the difference with annex wealth management for some football means it's fall but who are we fooling? It's pumpkin spice everything. So that means it's fall at Annex Wealth Management. That means it's year-end tax planning. Much better to do it now than a mad scramble. This is a great time to discuss what you might consider. And to do that, we've got Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and a CPA at Annex Wealth Management. He is back. Welcome. Hi, Danny. You are also what's called an EA, and I didn't know that until yesterday. What is that?
3: An enrolled agent is awarded from the IRS directly. So it's similar to being a CPA, but it's more focused just exclusively in that taxation area. So do you have an in with the IRS? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say that. Eric, you've got a five-point
0: list for year-end tax planning. We're going to move through them. The first is check your withholdings
3: and account distributions. Is it too late by now or is this something you need to do now? No, it's not too late. So nobody likes that feeling of unexpectedly owing money on their taxes, right? So check how are your withholdings or your estimated payments looking? Have you paid enough in? If you are retired, you still have time to adjust those withholding on sources like Social Security, pensions, IRA withdrawals, or if you're still working. You still have more paychecks coming this year if changes need to be made. And remember, certain contributions through work generally do have to be done before the end of the year. These are things like flexible spending accounts, 401k, salary deferrals, and more. Year-end tax planning, that's what we're talking about. Now
0: is the time. Second thing to think about, take required minimum distributions. In fact, don't even think
3: about it. You got to do it. That's right. These are RMDs for short. So for those over age 72, you might be required to withdraw money from certain accounts. But even younger folks sometimes have inherited accounts sometimes that have RMD obligation as well. But generally, you do have to take these by the year end or you'll face a pretty stiff penalty. And here's a tip, the first dollars that come out of your accounts are actually considered the required minimum distributions. So that means that certain tax planning strategies have to be done first or cannot be done first. Timing is very important when it comes to this topic. Eric Strom,
0: financial planning manager and a CP at Annex Wealth Management. Fall, an ideal time to start your year-end tax planning. Eric has a five-point checklist of suggestions. The third is
3: Roth conversions. Yes, so the market is currently down year to date. So that can be a better time to do Roth conversions. So what is a Roth conversion? Well, that's when you take dollars in your pre-tax bucket that you've never paid taxes on and shift those over to your Roth or your tax-free bucket, but you're paying taxes in order to do so. So remember I talked about that timing. You have to actually fulfill any required minimum distributions first before you do this strategy. Now, who would consider it? If you have large pre-tax balances, or if you think for any reason your taxes are going to be higher in the future, maybe you think taxes in general are going to increase, or creating legacy, helping out your beneficiaries is important, for all those people, considering a Roth conversion is a good idea.
0: You're in tax planning. How about QCDs or old buddy qualified charitable distributions?
3: That's right. If you're 70 and a half or older, you can actually potentially donate directly from your IRA in a tax-free manner. And not only are you donating using money that you've never paid taxes on, but in addition, if you have an RMD obligation, like we talked about earlier, this QCD can actually potentially offset that obligation. So if you don't need your RMD and you're charitably inclined, you might want to think about a QCD. And then one more thing, most people under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act are not itemizing their deductions. And by using QCDs, you're actually recapturing a tax benefit, uh, which is nice. And on the note of itemizing, Remember that other charitable contributions also need to be done by the year-end. So if you're using a donor-advised fund or things like that, you must make those contributions by the end of the calendar year. So remember.
0: Final of the five-point checklist for year-end tax planning, harvest
3: investment losses or investment gains. That's right. So harvesting investment losses or gains is when you intentionally sell positions in a taxable account for a specific tax benefit. If you're harvesting losses, you can use those to actually offset capital gains or even some amount of regular income that you have as well. And intentionally taking gains can also be beneficial for certain people. For example, if your income is a little bit lower, you might even have room in a 0% capital gains bracket, which means you could potentially sell positions and not pay any taxes at all. Erica, of these five points
0: you suggest, a couple maybe look like you could knock it out in an evening but there are some
3: that take more time. Which takes the time? Any strategy that requires you to open up a new account, like let's say you need to open up a donor advised fund or open up a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. That takes time. That's why now is the time to do your tax planning, especially if an account opening might be in your future. And like turn around on on an RMD. What's that take? Oh, well, that, that's easy. You know, that, that's logging in or a phone call away and you can get that RMD obligation taken quickly. But again, still something that you don't want to really drag out for too long because the penalty for missing that is steep. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and
0: estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We want you to know the difference. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP, and EA at Annex Wealth Management. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. It is the bottom of the hour. We're going to break for news, but we'll be back for more. For the update, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Time for Ask Annex. As always, we're wide open for your questions. Annexwealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If you want to be anonymous, that's great. Everybody gets an answer. In the studio, Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hi, Danny. Randy Winkler is the CFP and a Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hi, Danny. Our first one is from Alex. Is 5% a more realistic expectation for returns on an investment portfolio? I wonder if he was looking at like a calculator you know retirement calculator right you can yeah. you can
4: look back historically on what the market has done but you know, I like analogies. So there's one that I like that was from a former uh, mentor of mine that I worked with years ago. He said, let's say you're imagining you're moving to North Dakota and you say, hey, I'd like to dress comfortably. What's the average temperature mm-hmm. there? It might say, well, it's 50 degrees. Well, how often would you be comfortable at 50 degrees? That information is accurate. Hopefully I haven't checked this, but there's some days it's going to be over hundred. Some days it's going to be below zero. It's kind of the same thing with this question. The market average is actual data, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. You're Experience is not going to be that. There's no such thing as an average year in the market.
5: It all depends on your time frame, too, right? Are you looking at a month? Are you looking at a year, 10 years? And really how your portfolio is allocated.
4: Averages are kind of a funny thing. Let's imagine we have a two-year period where one year we're up by 30 and the next year we're down by 30. You've averaged zero, but does that give you any indication on what you've actually experienced during those two years? It's data, but it's not generally useful data.
0: Remember, Sarah, he's a math major.
5: Oh, that's right. (laughs) right.
0: Next one, anonymous. How often do you have to tell clients they can't retire yet? This comes up, but it's not as bad as the question makes it
4: seem. So typically people come in who have not had a financial plan before and they would like to know, can I retire? I'd like to retire now. Quite often we'll hear, well, I'd like to retire now, but I'm thinking it'll be at least 65 by putting them through our financial planning process and looking at the Monte Carlo that we've talked about in the past, we can tell them when they can. So it's very rarely do I find it where somebody sees it as bad news. It's like, okay, now I know, and we have a plan. This is what we have to do to get there. But I'd say more often than not, we're telling people, hey, you can retire earlier.
5: It's not just so much about can I retire or can't I. Do we have to make some adjustments? Sure, you can retire, but there may be some adjustments we have to make ahead of time or along the way.
4: Do we save more? Do we spend less? Mm-hmm. You know, Do we move retirement? There's some levers that we have to work with yeah. that we can play around with. Some people say, I'm not working an extra day, but I'm willing to put away twice as much to get me there. Or, hey, I, I'll work for an extra five years, but don't mm-hmm. ask me to save anymore. So by plugging in those variables, we can try the different scenarios to find something that's comfortable. And you know, I think that's the biggest thing. You walk
0: out knowing what the picture looks like. That's right. Folks, don't be afraid of maybe hearing the answer, but more interested in hearing the solution. Correct. Next up, anonymous. My retirement funds are down about 20% with the current market. I started a new job with the ability to roll over the funds from my previous plan. I'm wondering if that's a bad idea considering the previous retirement fund is down 20% right now, so I'd be losing a lot of money. Does it make sense to begin investing in the new fund through my employer, then roll over the previous fund when the market recovers?
5: Where the market is currently valued shouldn't really determine when you roll over your old plan, because if the market is down when you're selling, the market is also down when you're buying. So it's pretty much a non-event. So you may be selling low, but you're also buying low. One thing you want to consider, though, is before you roll over that plan, is what is the fee comparison and what are the available investment options?
4: Right. You might be in a retirement plan now that has 100 options. The new one might only have five. So you want to make sure that you've got adequate options to help you reach your goals. Mm
0: Next up, Anonymous, we refied our mortgage at 2.99% back in 2021. We've always paid extra toward principal. We like equity, and it feels good to see that mortgage balance decrease. But given current inflation rates, this approach is starting to feel foolish. Should we stop and direct more toward other investments? Well, This is an
4: interesting question because it's probably one of the most common questions we get, but it's kind of gone away recently with uh, mortgage rates going up. I understand what they're saying, and I wouldn't feel foolish, because in reality, this is probably more of a gut decision than a head decision. But if you're looking at it from a mathematical standpoint, you probably would be better off to not pay off that low interest rate loan and take that extra money we're going to apply and throw it in the market when things are on sale. But again, depends on your time frame,
0: your risk tolerance, and your goals. And our last one is from Tim. Is there a best time of the year to retire?
5: Well, Tim, that really depends on your individual circumstance. But some key factors to think about, let's say you work for a government or an employer that has a defined benefit pension. It might make most sense to retire the day after your work anniversary because you will get a whole extra year of credits towards your pension, even though you only worked one extra day. And then you have to think about when do I need to tap into my retirement accounts and also take into account the timing of any extra benefits that may be coming your way. But generally, January is a good time to retire if you want to reduce taxes and it will also allow you to collect the prior year's benefits. And December makes more sense if you want to maximize that COLA or the cost of living adjustment.
4: Right. It's a very unique answer for each person, Mm -hmm. depending on all of those other variables,
0: taxes and expenses and makeup of the account's age. That's Ask Annex. Got a question? Head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, click the Get Started button for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. My pleasure. Randy Winkler, CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with annex wealth management? Not sure if you've noticed yet, but it's election season. I'm talking to anybody that has any sort of device, whether it's a television or a radio or anything there's a lot going on and we are going to talk about it in the studio Dean phillips director of client learning and development at cfp and a cdfa at annex wealth management hello hello tom parks director of retirement plan services annex wealth management good to see you what's happening danny true or false midterm elections a pulse on how things are going
6: well sure midterm elections are usually a referendum on the current president so you know it's a chance for voters to express their support or concern And after tax, income is historically the single most important issue on getting either side elected. You know, people want to know how much is going to be and stay in their pockets. This includes credits, stimulus, et cetera. You can think back to the last election. So issues like extension of the child tax credit could be a hot topic with this election. Interestingly, when the dollar's high, approval rating is usually high, too. We're seeing a strong dollar today, very strong. Then with a lower approval rating, there could be more seats you're likely to see lose at midterm. On average, 30 seats are changed over in the House, while FDR and Bush didn't experience that quite, but there were some extraordinary circumstances during their terms. Current polls are calling for split government per the data now, and this is where it gets a little interesting and where voters, Danny, start applying their own politics into market assumptions.
0: Into market assumptions. And there is a danger in that.
6: Yeah. Well, what happens is that it leads to assumptions based on heuristics. Those are those quick jumps to conclusions that we make on a regular daily basis. It gets us to a logical explanation. The problem is we have other biases that come into play. And Tom, you and I talk about this a lot, recency bias, where we tend to remember the most recent events that have happened and what we did during those. You know, as human beings, we tend to focus on the negative and we forget that we're coming out of a multi-year bull run in stocks. We tend to focus on a set point. You and I have talked about this, you know, a set point in time to calculate our performance. So we keep thinking we've lost money because we're setting the point. from January 1st.
7: Yeah, and that's, I think, people don't have that. It's hard to have the perspective now. You and I have also talked about where people get their news from. That's gonna have an impact on their overall perception. And this cuts across the spectrum. No matter who you are, there are only so many places you can get news from. And then there's only so much your brain can pay attention to. And it's just natural that you have a more recency bias. You know, and all this stuff, I always tell people, you're in a no judgment zone here. We're not saying good, bad, or indifferent. That's just the reality of the thing. But we hear a lot, this time is different. Well, Danny, I will say that we get into this all the time. This time is different. That is true. However, that is true every single time. Whenever there has been market turbulence at any point from the beginning of the market up until now, whatever caused it, the big fluctuations, was something that was different from the prior time. So is that true now? Yes, it is. But now, what conclusions are we going to draw from that?
6: It's interesting to look at history and see where it leads us. You know, um, in the 12 month period following a midterm election, so that third year of a term, has always, from 1942, had positive performance. So, you know, the question remains will that be so this time around? Two economic issues we have weighing heavily on this election will, of course, be inflation and a recession. Both of those topics are going to be important to the election.
0: We are going to look into this in depth with a presentation called Election Year Investment Myths. Who wants to give us a teaser?
6: A big one we hear a lot is that one party can lay claim to superior economic or market returns. However, a look at past presidential terms shows that markets, as illustrated by an 11% average annual return of the S&P 500 over the past seven decades and taking a look at the gross domestic product, the GDP, it's really apolitical. They both perform well under both major parties. So we're going to look at some specifics around this. And U.S. voters have removed the party in power in seven of the last eight elections. So we like to say, if you don't like the people in charge now, wait two to four years on average. Nothing appears as constant as change. Yeah,
7: well, Danny, the other thing I always tell people is just because something is political does not mean that it has to be partisan. And I think you'll see that as we go through. The other thing I kind of like about this is Dean and I are preparing this is that a myth doesn't necessarily have to be false. So when we're looking at myths, there a you know, myth, it can be true or false. So I think this is gonna be a really fun conversation. So there are things that we will, and there are things that we
0: won't be covering in this webinar.
6: Yeah, right. First, we're gonna be posing several myths and asking our audience if they think they're true or false. So it'll be interactive, fun for listeners, as we validate or debunk several common threads that we hear. But you know, all of it leads to conveying the general message of, you know, don't invest your politics. However, what we won't be doing is giving a forecast on which party we think will prevail. So we understand that these are unusual times with both stock and bond market decreasing since January, higher inflation and recession potential. So it's easy to be concerned about the near future, which is why revisiting your financial plan and cash flow needs is so important now.
0: Election year investment myths coming up quick. It's next Wednesday. Let's talk details.
6: Sure. So you can go to AnnexWealth.com under the events tab to register. It'll be Wednesday, October the 12th in webinar form, 4 p.m. Central Time. Oh, and we'll also be giving it live with our Women and Wealth third Thursday on Thursday, October the 20th at 6 p.m. Central Time here in our Elm Grove office live.
0: Deanne Phillips, Director of Plant Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you. Always a pleasure, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 8th. Quick break, but we're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference? It's one team, one plan, one fee. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Sign up for the Axiom free weekly newsletter. Connect with us on social media. Our YouTube channel has over 1,500 Annex Wealth Management videos and our brand new SWAT podcast, Quite Good. You can get that on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. In fact, this show will be on there at the top of the hour. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. In the studio today, Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services
1: you know derek one of the questions that's been coming up again recently what do i do if i have some cash that i want to put to work and there are different stock market environments you know different market environments overall that lend themselves better to certain strategies to approach that and you know the concern right now is we don't really know are we at the bottom or is we do we need to go down further or you know how are we going to approach that but you know one of the things that i sort of think about when you do that is your ability to layer your way into the portfolio, uh, you know, find your entry points. And this is when we start to turn our attention to things that are a bit more short-term in nature. So, for example, to what degree will the midterm election cycle and just the calendar seasonality impact where we see the market going on a short-term basis? So these are the types of things, the factors that you need to look at if you're in that situation where you're looking
2: at, hey, do I want to start to move money into this equity market? Well, I'm going to be about as blunt as I can be. If I had $100 and I wanted to put it in stocks over the next six months, I'd put 33 bucks in. I'd put another $33 in if the S&P dropped 5% from where I bought it. And I wouldn't add the final 34 till my average price on the first two purchases was positive.
1: All right. So that's a very succinct mathematical strategy. I like that. But maybe for somebody that's going to be a little bit more broad about it, right? Um, they might be thinking about a third, a third, a third. And... Take your eyes off trying to
2: measure the market and think about just layer your way in. So spread your risk, basically, right? Spread your entry point Well, that's what we're doing, but we're doing it in terms of price, not time, because unfortunately, if you dollar cost average, you might miss the turning point. Right? You might end up being higher on your second piece than you paid for your first. That's My goal is to try to get the lowest average cost over a period of time. The other thing is, you know, the, the S&P is already 26% off its highs. That's typically what you see during a recession. We don't even have a recession yet. unemployment at 3.5%, as we mentioned earlier. Job growth is continuing. Job openings are starting to slow. Consumers have a lot of cash. Yeah, they don't have the cash they had a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago during the pandemic when there was a lot of transactions uh, transfer payments and the like, but they're still in decent shape. And you see that in the in restaurant activity. Restaurant activity is very high. So we don't know for sure we're going to have a recession. So timing the market is very, very hard. And if you have a long-term time horizon, while it's a trading, tactical trading idea, it can lead to a long-term investment.
1: You no, know, you're absolutely right. And so what we do is work so hard to make sure that you don't have to time the market. What do we mean by that? Build a financial plan that you can rely on. Understand what your cash flow needs are. Make sure you script out where that money's going to come from. Protect the short-term need in short-term investments that are not subject to stock market volatility. Then pay attention to the long-term nature of building the rest of the investment portfolio, in which case you can be tactical and strategic around how you allocate and make good decisions now and never get caught in a situation where you're forced to sell equity investments at the wrong time. Think about selling really good quality investments when it's favorable to you,
2: not when it's unfavorable to you. And it's one of the reasons why one of the first things I always hear you talk to a prospect about is your bucket theory about having liquid cash so that during times of need, whether it's a, a short-term problem or something even more catastrophic, you're not impairing your your long-term plan by selling long-duration assets. You're selling out of cash, which will have a middle, minimal impact in the long run.
1: You know, And I'll tell you that more often than not, when clients come in and they start out with a concern about what's happening in the market, our default is to go back to exactly that conversation, show them what the plan looks like, where the cash flow needs are, what that protection looks like, and how we've been approaching the investment portfolio. And from that point forward, there's so much more comfort that we can approach this constructively rather than have to react negatively just because the market is down.
0: Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, thanks for joining us my, on the show. My pleasure, Danny. Mark Beck is Managing Director, Wealth Management Services. i got to tell you, you just laid out the way we think, a way a plan operates. And I think there's many people that are listening might not have that same experience with who they're working with. Maybe they're not working with anybody at all. Yeah, it is the time. It is definitely the time. Folks, if you don't have Annex Wealth Management on your side Maybe it's time to do something, especially with what's happening now and what we think is going to be coming up in the future. This show, again, just a sample of our scope and the way we think. This is your invitation to take action. All you got to do is spend a couple of minutes, fill out that contact form when you head to our website, and click that Get Started button. The time is now. Annex Wealth Management is ready. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. It would be our pleasure. See you back here next Saturday at 10. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.